Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, straight from the most echoed room in all of Indiana. Maybe. <laughs> We're back for the first Reddit roundtable of 2022. Yes. So happy to be back here with the series that you all are so fond of, and so are we. Mm-hmm. But Dominic... How are you doing? I know not much has changed for you in the past week, but a lot has changed for me. So I feel like I gotta, I need some, I need some normalcy. I need someone that's grounded in reality right now. Dominic, are you that guy for me? Uh, yes, because I had a pretty normal week this week. A uh, f- f- few days at work, obviously doing stuff here for the show. You guys have crushed. The first video and podcast clips of the year, by the way, on all platforms, especially YouTube. You guys are loyal. Joey community grows another stronger. You guys are beasts, a bunch of animals. We love you. Um, So it's been an awesome week, but a pretty normal week. I don't want to steal all the spotlight from you, Noah, because you have entered the next chapter in your life. The next big uh, ordeal. The next big... There was one more word I was thinking of, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> anyway, Noah, how are you? You are now in the great state of Indiana. A new job, a new apartment, a new everything. Let the people know. Give them some insight on what's going on. I've The move, the move went pretty smooth. Now, if you are someone that lives uh, around this area, then you will probably realize that when I tell you I moved on Thursday, you're probably like, oh, no. Oh, yes, that's right. Literally, the drive was spotless. Two-hour drive from Ohio to Indiana to where I'm living at here. As soon as we got to the exit for that, I, for my exit, it started snowing. And it was uh, like, okay, it's just a little bit. But you could tell it had been snowing there already for a while. The, I was sliding all over the roads. Oh, man. Um, didn't really impact us on the move, like getting stuff in, moving stuff. Uh, found out I lived on the third floor, so that was a struggle. Oh, jeez. Um, but um, as far as after that, I had to go get like my Spectrum equipment from the Spectrum store. I show up, the doors are locked. I'm like, I'm I'm like Eric Andre, like let me in, let me in. And we already don't and, have the best relationship with Spectrum. So. No, we don't. And uh, the guy answers the door just on a whim. He's like, look, he's like, they took, they sent us home because of the weather. But yeah. I'll, I'll get you in here. And he looks at my ID and he's like, are you from Dayton? I'm like, yeah. Kind of, like, yeah. He's like, I'm from Middletown, which is well, where Kayla that? Harrison's from. Yeah. And I was like, Carlisle. And he was like, no way. He's like, I knew there was a reason I let you in. Oh, that's pretty badass. And then I had to go to UPS to ship something out. UPS was like, oh, we're closing in a half hour. You better hurry up. So I get there right at the nick of time. And yeah, it was was a bad day to move in or a bad day to move somewhere. But the move, considering that it still went as smooth as it could. That's all we can ask for. And we're recording this on Sunday, just a heads up. Um, but I start my new job tomorrow, so we'll see how that goes. I'm excited. I'm not even sure what time I'm supposed to be there, so I should probably find that out. <laughs> right. But um, we'll just, you know, we'll wing it if we have to. But Yeah, uh, but we'll hear on uh, the week, this week's preview <laughs> if Noah was late to work or not. Yeah, but, um, you know, I just I look forward to these moments, Dom. 
the moments that me and you get to share in this studio. We get to talk about some MMA. We That's haven't right. got to do it in a little while. So let's just get right into this Reddit roundtable, the first of 2022. Oh, it sounds so good. So we got 10 for you guys. 10 good, 10 good ones, a lot involving the year ahead, uh-huh. what our expectations are. But let's start, Dominic, with Charles Oliveira. Okay. The current lightweight champion. Um, of course, this question probably came about around the time that he defended that belt uh, for a, the first time against Dustin Poirier. And the question, Dominic, after that win, do you consider Charles Oliveira to be who we always thought Tony Ferguson was? And I'm going to let you, however that comment bounces off you, I'm going to let you run with it. Ah, you bastard. I was looking for some insight. Um, this is an interesting question. But no, like, I still view them as two completely polar opposite mixed martial artists. Uh, the, you know, the way in which that they go about these fights, and while they do have similarities, they're still very much different. Obviously, we got to see the two match up. We know how that went for Charles Oliveira, a dominant performance, our 2020 performance of the year for the Joeys, if I'm not mistaken. Um, obviously, now he's on a 10-fight win streak. We saw Tony Ferguson once reach a 12 fight win streak with an interim championship. Uh, but Oliveira, you know, reached the epitome of the sport. He is the undisputed champion. He now has a title defense under his belt. Um, and so I think, you know, these two, again, while comparable are still very different from one another, who we always thought Tony was. I, I still think, and definitely in terms of character, there's never going to be another Tony Ferguson. So their characteristics and the way in which they approach the game are nothing alike. I'm I'm convinced there's no one like Tony Ferguson in MMA's history and ever will be again for that matter. I mean, who's out there kicking poles for fun and shit with their shins? But uh, no, man, I, I don't think so. I, I am curious to get your take on this question, however. Uh, but no, Charles Oliveira is Charles Oliveira to me. Tony Ferguson is Tony Ferguson. Two incredible lightweight fighters. Uh, the biggest reason why this could even be considered it's got to be the hypothetical matchup with Habib Nurmagomedov. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Habib versus Tony was like the the the, the one that got away, goose, the the white whale, the the great white buffalo, the one that got away. And then you see the kind of losing streak Tony's been on now, and it kind of I don't know. People don't really talk about Habib versus Tony anymore, like. That one time, that was like the fight that everybody yes. wanted, and it just escaped time after time. But then when Tony lost to Justin, it just felt like it moved on to now Justin's the biggest threat to Habib and whatnot. Yeah. I while I I have no way of knowing how that matchup would have went if it happened in 2016 or 2017 or 2018 or 2019 or whenever it was supposed to happen, but yeah. I do think that the advantages that people thought Tony Ferguson would bring to that matchup are more likely found in Charles Oliveira's actual game. Mm -hmm. So I think in a sense he is. I think Charles Oliveira is a dangerous matchup for someone like Habib if he were still active. His um, How good he is off his back is always going to be something that um, is not something we really got to see Habib test himself against and Charles on the feet, I would say is a stronger uh, fighter. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, Habib's wrestling would just be like 
the biggest factor in that fight and just how Charles would be able to respond to that. I don't think Tony had quite the weapons to neutralize Habib's wrestling. And obviously this is easy to say now when Tony's not really in prime condition, but I just think in the set in that way, I think Charles is kind of who we always thought Tony was, but it comes with the caveat of like, maybe it's just a bias of the fact that Tony is not really Tony anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Chief. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, another one about Charles Oliveira here, but this one more specifically about Conor McGregor. Here he is again. (laughs) He always finds a way to pop up Dominic. And this is, he's popping up in the worst way here. Yeah. This is worse than him being on the news for punching Machine Gun Kelly, this is the worst possible thing I could think of. And that's that the idea that Charles Oliveira would essentially allow Conor McGregor to skip the line (sighs) and fight him for the belt in his return fight. Yeah. That's both apparently have said that they would do it. I know Dana was asked about it, and Dana said, I don't know. Which, to me, the fact that he didn't just come out and say no is enough to make me go, oh my God, is this something that could actually happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, while I don't think it will happen next, I do ultimately think we get Oliveira versus Gaethje. I do wonder, Dominic, out of the current crop of the top of the lightweights, and we can sit here and say all day that we don't want to see Connor fight for the belt next, that he needs to go and win a couple fights or win a fight or whatever to show that he is still capable of fighting for a title. Is he the potential worst matchup for the champion, Charles Oliveira? Yeah, old Uncle Chael brought this one up on his awesome YouTube channel in the past week I saw. and um, I Yes and no, because... In terms of striking, Connor is one of the most precise strikers uh, that we've really ever seen, and especially at featherweight. Uh, and I guess you could say at lightweight, considering his one win was a master class against Eddie Alvarez. However, that, yes, that the was, one win. And, that was, and a, was a, uh, yes, uh, clinic. You, you were definitely going for a bit of a stab right there. <laughs> um, and that is simply because we've <laughs> seen since Connor, that is, be in a stand-up fight against Dustin Poirier and be bested and be knocked out due to the stand-up. Well, and I know MMA math doesn't work, and Noah's big on pointing that out, but when Dustin Poirier just fought Charles Oliveira, Oliveira was able to weather that storm, and Dustin is a very precise striker in his own right, very powerful in his own right, in a completely different style than Connor. that is. Um, Charles Oliveira not only was able to weather that, but able to land good shots onto Dustin and obviously get the fight to the ground. Uh, so yes, on the feet, Connor is still obviously a threat to a guy like Oliveira because he's shown to have vulnerability, especially in the first round, which is usually Connor's best round. We know that. So uh, Connor can definitely hurt Oliveira on the feet, but he's shown a very good chin. And I, and Connor, I don't know. We've not seen that Connor, that Eddie Alvarez Connor. We have not seen in such a long time, even in his fight with Dustin. Granted, he won the first round of their rematch in January. It still was not the same guy. Um, so it, it's not the worst matchup for Oliveira. At the end of the day, to me personally, it's still Islam Makachev, which might sound crazy because of the jujitsu of Charles and how dangerous it is. 
But I think when you have such an offensive Sambo style wrestler as dominant as what was Habib and now Islam Makachev, the jujitsu to me almost gets eliminated because of their top heavy pressure and their ability to move around and constantly change and transition and pin your arms, pin your legs to where Charles wouldn't even have a chance to maneuver and get submission attempts. So while Connor is a threat on the feet, I still think it's a good matchup for Oliveira in the grand scheme of MMA. Islam Makachev is the worst matchup for anyone in this division, including the champion Oliveira. I'm going to side with Uncle Chael here. I think Connor is the toughest matchup for Charles out of the top lightweights. And it just, again, it's styles make fights, right? And while I still think it's a fight that Charles would probably win, um, I just think it's tough because. If you notice in these two title fights specifically that Charles has had, he is most vulnerable in the early stages of the fight, of round one. Usually round one, Michael Chandler had two 10-8s, even though I disagree yeah. with that. Yeah. He was given two 10-8s by the judges. Dustin Poirier definitely won round one and did it pretty decisively. For Connor, he is more powerful than Dustin, but and more precise than Justin Gaethje. So it's a very powerful mixture that I think would really be a threat to Oliveira as he, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is for Oliveira that makes him vulnerable early. I don't know if it's a, he's a slow starter, you know, or mm-hmm. something like that. But um, look at how Connor handled someone like Cowboy Cerrone, who's a notorious slow starter. And you can say yeah. whatever about the state of, Cerrone's career at that point but to me I do think there's a chance that a fight goes like that it's a inside a minute two minutes and he puts mm-hmm. him away early but I think outside of that I think uh, it's a tough night for McGregor but I don't you know for the Islam Makachev thing Islam might end up winning that fight might end up dominating that fight but I don't necessarily see how that's such a I don't really see where where exactly the advantage is for Islam in that fight. Like, I don't really mm-hmm. see the how that's such a tough matchup for Oliveira. Like, if the fight's fought mostly on the ground, like, again, Oliveira's so comfortable there, so deadly there, that it's almost playing more into his hand. And if the fight stays on the feet, I think Oliveira's got a good advantage in the yeah. striking. Like, I just don't... It's not that I don't think Islam can't win that fight. Islam might end up... Uh, he seems the most likely to take be the next champion. But I, I don't know if I'd really... I don't know if I really see it as the bad matchup that everybody else does. Yeah. And, I mean, for what it's worth, too, not to skip over the rightful number contender right now, Justin Gaethje can still pose many threats as well because he is not only a great offensive wrestler, but he's carrying the power that no one else in this division holds not to mention the calf kick, which we really haven't seen Charles get tested with either. So there are that's just the state of the division. This shows you how incredible this division is, not to mention even guys like Benil Daryush, all these up-and-comers that are coming up that we talked about last Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, I definitely – it's one of those where I, I can't disagree with you wholeheartedly because Connor is always going to carry that early power. So I am curious, actually, just like opinions of many people – and to see Uncle Chael say that did pull at the heartstrings a little bit. But I yeah, respect he, it. he always goes with the outlandish takes, Dom. Come That's on. true. That's true. Uh, number three, 
Let's talk about the middleweight division, a division that's kind of gone under the radar for a while. It has, hasn't it? Um, it seems like ever since, probably the last time we really talked about it was Paulo Costa's uh, shenanigans and his lead up to the fight with Marvin Vittori that ended up being really good. Yeah. One of our contenders for fight of the year at the Joey's, but true. Um, just a division that's not really been making too many headlines since then. Now we do have a big card coming up, UFC 271, happening in February, headlined by Adesanya versus Whitaker 2. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the co main for that is going to be Derek Brunson versus Jared Cannonier. The winner of that co-main event, the assumption is that that would be next for the champion. Yep. Now, Brunson has kind of had this career resurgence. He's a guy that's been a bit of a middleman for a long time at middleweight, and now he's kind of gone on a nice win streak and finds himself one away from a title shot, while Jared Cannonier is a guy that started at heavyweight, then went to light heavyweight, and now has found life as middleweight but at light heavyweight and heavyweight he was pretty unremarkable Mm -hmm. so the question is dom with the rise of veterans like Derek brunson and jared cannonier at middleweight is this more of a sign of their growth as fighters or a sign that the division has gotten weaker i think it's the division because we even talked about last wednesday um how this is probably the most stale men's division in the ufc i mean it's definitely up there if you wouldn't say it's number one uh, for the men's division so you know Derek brunson for what it's worth or even cannoneer but especially brunson who's tallied off five in a row hasn't lost since that first fight with israel adesanya uh, i think that was back in 2018 blonde brunson I, it's got to be the blonde hair right that's the biggest x factor uh here but uh he's been great man his wrestling is what sets him apart because there's not many other great grapplers in this 185 uh, division outside of like himself and obviously Vittori or the two that immediately strike the brain. Cannoneer is the guy who is more surprising to still see him up there. And that's just because he, he is just good everywhere. But when he's going up against a guy like Robert Whitaker, for example, who's so great in the standup, Yes, the power of Cannoneer is a threat, and it showed in that fight still. But overall, in the grand scheme, over the course of a three-round fight or a five-round fight, the guy with the elite skill set is going to get the better of him. Is kind of how I feel about Cannoneer. Um, but he is going to just hold that power and still be dangerous. But yeah, this division is just... It's weird. It's such a weird state right now. You have this relatively dominant champion. I think it's safe to say he's pretty dominant. Israel Asanya at 185 pounds, that is. And then you just have the rest of these guys that, you know, Izzy's already fought Brunson. He's going to fight Whitaker a second time. He's beaten Vittori twice. He, he dominated Paulo Costa in a fight that everyone was super excited for going in. They were both undefeated. Um, so I think it is a sign of the division. Not even like getting weaker per se, but it's not getting stronger. There's no big prospects that are really shooting up the ranks quickly like you see in these other divisions. I think that's the better way to put it. I mean, I'm just comparing it like, is this is this middleweight division as strong as it was five, six years ago? I mean, when Luke Rockhold was the champion or mm-hmm. someone or Michael Bisping, whoever, but you had Chris Weidman, who was still real, 
Yoel Romero was still there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jacare Souza, Gegard Mousasi. Mm-hmm. Hell no. This division is a yeah. hundred times weaker than it was just five or six years ago. And no disrespect. Like, I'm not saying that these two guys are like proof of that. Like, I think Derek Brunson has looked very good on his win streak. And I think it's, it is a lot because he is just a t- he is just kind of a his own guy. Like he's one of the only guys that really has his style at the top. So he's kind of tailor made to go on this kind of run right now. Yeah, and he's even. I mean, he might even be somewhat of a threat to Adesanya. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared Cannonier, I actually don't find to be all that surprising because the guy. Fought at heavyweight, then light heavyweight, mm-hmm. then he comes down here. Like eventually, that power is going to be overwhelming. Yeah. But you just wonder how the chin holds up. It's held up pretty well. And you look at like how he handled Kelvin Gastelum. He put up a great mm-hmm. performance against Kelvin. Um, not that Kelvin's really been on the best of streaks as of late. But yeah, I definitely think this division's at one of its weakest points. I don't really know why it is it, it's just i think it's just one of those peaks and valleys of yeah these divisions you see it with light heavyweights finally starting to pick up and even heavyweight mm-hmm. um you know obviously lightweight and bantamweight are at their best but you know divisions are going to go through this time and time time after time um, but it's definitely a far cry from like that 2013 to 2016 middleweight division yeah because even when Anderson was the champ, there were still a lot of new challengers that you know, he would have to Vitor go against. Vitor Belfort, you know, just yeah. I, the list goes on. Yeah, it, it's weird. <laughs> it, do you think it is, safe to say, out of the eight men's divisions, the weakest of the eight? I mean, even flyweight to me is more intriguing, personally. Um, it might be. It might be the most stale, like the... I mean, I think this title fight coming up is very intriguing. Yeah. But after that, I'm less invested. Yeah. There's just not I mean, as much fresh life. The it. thing is, there's guys that I'm invested in. Like, there's guys, I mean, if Robert Whitaker wins, I think that changes things because mm-hmm. it's not even Brunson or Cannoneer because I really, I don't know. No offense to those guys. I'm not exactly all that invested in like a potential title fight between. Izzy and Brunson or, you know, Whitaker and Brunson or Izzy and Cannonier or whatever. But if Robert Whitaker wins, like a fight with him and Marvin Vittori, that's yeah. very intriguing to me. Yeah. So it, it, some of it's just the fact that our champion's pretty dominant in this division mm-hmm. and he's fought a lot of these guys at the top and the ones that were interested in seeing him fight can't seem to put together the wins to do it. To Darren get there. Till yep. has been a guy that we want to see him fight so bad, but he can't get the wins together. And Kelvin Gastelum, I'd love to see that rematch. Can't put yeah. the wins together. Yeah. Number four, Dominic. This one's pretty simple. For 2022, I want you to give your boldest take for this year. I went really wacky, Noah. We kind of were discussing this off air just to like get an idea, get a gauge on where our minds were at. And this one, it's not a fighter. It's not a fight. 
it's it's really just something that maybe as an Ohio homeboy I'm hopeful for, but I do truthfully think it is a tad bit realistic. My boldest take for 2022, Noah, is the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, will be hosting an event in the state of Ohio, the great state of Ohio, the king of the Midwest. I just taglined that. It's probably not true. We'll have an event here more than one time. As we know, there is an event going to be in Columbus, knock on wood, if everything stays held together. March 26th, the UFC Fight Night, currently headlined by Alexander Rakich and Jan Blahovich. Co-main event by Kaikar France and Askar Askarov. Fun card. We're, we can't wait to go with our friends. It's going to be a good time. But I think that Dana says time and time again, anyone in this current state of the world that is willing to host us, we will go to. So I think if all signs point toward, point toward a successful event at the end of March and everything goes well, the UFC may just come back to Ohio again before the year is over. Perhaps Cleveland or uh, yes. Cincinnati, maybe or something. Yes. Yeah. I like the I like the boldness of it because it's. I think to preface, I mean, you should probably put in here that <laughs> yeah, the UFC has only been to Ohio. I think this would be if this event goes through, it would be the fifth, fifth or time. sixth at the most. Yeah. Um. So they don't go to Ohio very often. Last we're here in 2016 at UFC 203, headlined by Stipe and Overeem, as Dominic has behind him. I got my turn right for the first time ever, anyway. <laughs> so I, I like the boldness of that one because it's, it's it feels bold enough to where it's like, okay, it probably won't happen. But I think there's a, there's, there's a decent chance that the – especially if – I mean, because right now – Look, COVID's not going away. My yeah. entire family got hit with the the Omicron. Our friends are getting hit left and right. Everybody's being hit by this Omicron. So who knows? Things probably maybe this whole COVID thing ain't gonna change much. And if Ohio remains kind of standing put with where their policies are right now, the UFC might just come right back. We could we could be like Anthony Smith. The state of Ohio could be the king of the fight nights, baby. <laughs> wow, nice. Um, my bold take for this Let's year. Let's hear this. I'm excited. So this is actually going to involve the champion that we just talked about, Israel Adesanya. And I think actually that this division is kind of, I don't think it's just stale for us. I think it's kind of stale for him too. I don't think there's a lot of matchups that really stand out to him now. He has said in the past he would fight Jared Cannonier. Now, Cannonier missed out on that opportunity when he lost to Robert Whitaker at UFC 254. But I still feel like if Cannonier wins in that co main event, then, and is he wins the main event, then he would probably fight him. Mm-hmm. But what I think is most likely to happen in 2022 is I think Israel Adesanya will fight Robert Whitaker in February. And win or lose, that will be the only time. We see him fight in 2022 as he prepares his body for a move to the light heavyweight division. Mm. Mm. I kind what? of mentioned this one on the questions I have yep. we had for 2022, but I'm 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 serious about this one. I really don't see him longing for this division. I don't think it's. I think there was a reason 
the Blahovich fight happened when it did. I don't think Izzy, I, I really don't think if Izzy had won that fight, I don't think he would, this fight with Whitaker happens. Yeah. I think he leaves the middleweight division if it ha- if he wins that fight with Blahovich. I really don't think he goes, I don't think the fight with Vittori happens. I think he sticks at light heavyweight. And I think that because I think the John Jones fight is still something that sticks in his brain a little bit, like to potentially move up heavyweight at some point. And yeah. When you're talking legacy, to have three belts across three divisions, I mean, that's it's probably something in his mind as well. And I mean, in middleweight, I just don't see the contenders that really are going to make him want to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, I mean, being that really the biggest one is Darren Till, and he's sitting back there at like number eight, injured, two fight losing streak, so on and so forth. He does seem, Izzy, that is, to be a guy that really does want to cement his legacy. As Noah mentioned, he's talked about wanting these titles, wanting these big fights. Um, So it's definitely something I'm not um, like going to be surprised by. Like I, I would be surprised if this one in February is the last one. I'll put it that way. So that part of your bold take is very impressive. Um, and interesting but yeah i mean i think he does want to move back up to light heavyweight i don't think much else tickles his fancy at middleweight much longer you got to think guys he's 33 34 so he's kind of nearing like the end of his prime he is a bit older even though his skill set is one of like a younger guy the way he he fights so he the the clock is kind of ticking for him to approach light heavyweight and win a title go to heavyweight potentially and get a title there because he did that during his kickboxing day so that that's an interesting no uh, one Noah. Wonder if either one of us will hold true at the end of the year. It gets a little muddied if you if Whitaker wins. You feel like they do a trilogy. Yeah, I mean, it's there's some things that could really get in the way of that. But I just based on how I see things going for that card, I think it's the last time we see him at middleweight. I like it. <clears throat> Number five. Now, we've had a lot of discussion about the UFC Hall of Fame on past Reddit roundtables. Really interesting discussion. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting topic. But, Dominic, we're going to talk about a resume here that is very interesting to consider and how it stacks up. And that's if Dustin Poirier retired mm-hmm. right now, retired mm-hmm. today. Is he, in your heart, a UFC Hall of Famer? Now, this is not if the UFC would put him in the Hall of Fame. They put a lot of people in the Hall of Fame that maybe shouldn't be. So, just do you feel as your standard for a Hall of Famer, does he meet the requirements? I'm going to go with yes. And maybe my fandom is leaning me that way more. I worry it may be. But he does have an interim championship. He's got a great record at featherweight. He's got a great record at lightweight. So he's kind of been there, done that. He might bounce up to 170 and dabble in a fight or two there with Nate Diaz, so on and so forth. Uh, uh, uh. No. I said if he retires today. Still going with yes. Um, okay. I think you know he does have a great record, some of the most wins of all time. He's at 20, if I'm not mistaken, which is – like top 10, I think, or something like that. So uh, I think with his body of work, his resume is, we talk about it all the time, how fantastic he is, the former champions he's beaten, the people he's beat more than once. Um, Again, it's not the undisputed title, 
but an interim title is still more than some other Hall of Famers that have been put into the UFC, let's be honest. So I'm, I'm going to go with yes. I think he would be a Hall of Famer. I've had to think about this a lot because remember we were pretty gung-ho about putting Jim Miller and mm-hmm. Andre Arlovsky in our Hall of Fames back then. But then we like, I watched Morning Combat and saw their kind of discussion about it. I was like, man, they do make good points about I want the Hall of Fame to mean something. And I know, like, this is the UFC Hall of Fame. And, you know, having guys like, is Matt Sarah really a Hall of Famer? As great as he is, as much as I love the guy, like, is he really a Hall of Famer? Probably not. But the UFC puts him in there. So I think Dustin Poirier will end up in the UFC Hall of Fame based on the criteria today. But for my personal opinion... If you're never proven to be the best fighter in your division at any point in time, then I can't say you're one of the best fighters of all time and that you should be a Hall of Famer. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Interim title doesn't mean anything to me. I don't like interim titles. So that one, to me, he's never been a champion. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he's never been the best fighter in a division. He's got an amazing resume. Um you're right, 20, I think 21 wins, 20, 21 wins. Very impressive. If he won the belt from Charles, he'd easily be in there. He'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But until you can prove that you are one of the, that you are the best at your division at any point in time, I just think that's my that's the only way I can really do it. That's the only way mm-hmm. I can really make a criteria. Like, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. So to me, it's like, okay. Did you have an undisputed belt? Did you ever carry a belt? It's like, no, yeah. well, I guess I guess not. I mean, it doesn't mean yeah. I think, like, I, I wouldn't put Matt Sarah in there either, even though he did have a belt, but it just, it's different. It's just, that's where I start. It's like, okay, that's a way, it's kind of like a resume where, like, you know, they'll put the, the GPA requirement of a 3.0. Yeah. That's to cut off, like, certain applicants and then they'll limit even further by the ones that meet that criteria. Right, right. Yeah. Any final thoughts on that one? I figured we would differ. I, I had a. I, I mean, I'm a. I'm not a, like a Dustin Poirier hater. And again, when they do put him, like, I like the guy so much that like, when it happens or if it happens, I'm gonna be happy for him. You know, you want to see him happy, and he never won the big one, but yeah, I mean, damn it, he. He won pretty much every other fight. <laughs> Literally, yeah. So, I don't know. I wouldn't be upset about it, but it's just... That's the only way I can justify it in my head. That's your, your minimum cutoff, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Keep that in mind. Number six. Can I give credit to one of our commenters on Twitter for kind of introducing this idea? Um, I just tweaked it to make it like a question. Uh, we've talked so much about the women's featherweight division, Dom, and how the UFC is kind of wishy-washy on if they're going to get rid of it or if they're going to sign Kayla Harrison and maybe try to boost it up again or what they're mm-hmm. going to do. But uh, one that we haven't really considered is, are you in favor of the UFC adding a women's atomweight division? Mm, yeah, I mean, hey, I'm all for divisions into the UFC so long as... You've got the fighters to back it up. And uh, it seems like while me and Noah personally haven't gotten to like witness much Adam Wade action, like I know Invicta, I believe, has one. Um, and it seems that's what Laura Sanko used to fight at when she was a professional 
Michelle Waterson was Michelle Waterson was an Invicta champ, um, and she's still small um, for strawweight, and she even fought at flyweight against Marina Rodriguez. So, yeah, I think this would be cool. It seems like there are a pretty good amount of women. I know, I think one championship <clears throat> also has an atom weight division, and it seems to thrive over there. So, yeah, I'm all for it. 105 pounds. Uh, if you have enough to make the rankings and make a division out of it, I'm all for it. And I, I want to see introductions of new talent, new female talent into the UFC. And if this is a way to do so, uh, then I'm all for it. I think, you know, we know we love the smaller guy fighters, like the 125, 135 pounders. Look at how fun those divisions are. So we could see a lot of quick, fast-paced action with an atom weight division. Um, and it does add some freshness to just women's mixed martial arts as a whole for the UFC, especially with 135 being stagnant, all the question marks around 145. It seems like I know Dana's even been asked about this before, and he's open to the idea. There's a pretty big demand for it from the vast majority of the community. So I'm going to hop on the bandwagon as well and say, yes, I would uh, I would be in favor of an atom weight division. Yeah, it's not just like, oh, of course, like, the more the merrier, but I don't want a division to be added and it be women's featherweight again. Yes. But based off what I've seen, there seems to be a lot more high level women's mm-hmm. atom weight fighters and even some in the UFC that would probably drop down. Michelle Watterson maybe being one of them. Yeah. Give me it all day, hundred times out of a hundred. I love it. Now, would you rather, I, maybe I should have, Worded this uh, question like a little game of would you rather? Would you rather have women's atom weight or do the men's 165? And then oh, do men's 175 on top? That, of that is not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to say, Would you rather this or like the women's featherweight? <laughs> but I guess it is still a division, so I get why you couldn't ask that. So, women's atom weight or men's 165 and then 175? Yeah, just getting rid of ones, moving up 170 to 175. So really the question is women's 105 or men's 165. I still think that for the most part at lightweight, we don't see it be as much of a problem as it once was made out to be. So for that reason, I'll stick with women's atom weight. I will. Yeah. Oh man. I'm going to go with men's 165 and it's only because it's a tough one. And a lot of it's, there's only, there's a little bit of bias in my answer because I don't know most of the women's atom weight talent. Mm-hmm. Most of the talent that would be going to 165 already are into UFC. It's just guys that haven't been quite able to get RDA, you know, guys like that would move up. Some yeah. guys at 170 would move down. It'd be a lot of guys that I'm already familiar with, guys who haven't gotten that shine that I think are deserving of it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of why I would side. I'll tell you way. what. I mean, I'll be interested to see, and I know I think we're going to talk about this on Friday, <laughs> but I'll be curious to see how Eagle FC in their 165-pound division goes with the most prominent um, guy ever to want this division <laughs> being Kevin Lee with Eagle FC and kind of being the forefront of that division. So I'll be curious to see how it turns out for them. True. Number seven. Number seven. Here's an interesting one, Dom, that you pulled from BT Sport, as Mm -hmm. you want to do. Now, I'm going to – so here's how I'm going to word this question. So the – because the wording's a little tricky. But basically, Dominic, the question is, who are you most confident – 
will end the year as a champion who currently is not a champion. Right. It's bad that this was my question, and I still am not 100% certain on who I want to say. Well, mine's obvious to me, so I'm, go- I'm jumping in and taking it. Okay. Peter Jan, 100%. <sighs> but he's an interim champion. Uh, we're counting interim belts? Okay, well, then I won't do that. <laughs> we, I know you don't like them, so, I mean. Yeah, well, it's, it's fair. It's fair. It is. I mean, just because I don't like them doesn't mean they're not a thing. <laughs> and plus, that's kind of just a, I don't know, it's kind of a lazy answer. <laughs> it's, it's just. Well, see, I was going to go with, like, I mean, I guess not a lazy answer, but I talked about it on last Wednesday, and I didn't want to repeat it today. I think it could be Hamzat Chemaev. But, yeah. again, it just comes down to, like, they're, they're talking about, like, he might not even fight till April, which is. Like, dude, what are we doing? This guy's the guy that wants to fight every week. Why are we waiting so long? So, I, I, for that reason, I don't want to go with Hamza because I want to do something different. I talked about it so um, much last week. Part of me wants to go with Yuri Prohaska, but then I think Magomed Ankalaev might even be the... <clears throat> you know what? Hold on. I just saw it. Where'd it go? I was going to say it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do Islam Makachev. Okay, I'll go Yuri Prohaska. I, I, I think, well, we talked about it in the first question of the day, how I think the matchup with Islam and Charles goes. And I'm not saying Charles is guaranteed to lose that fight, but I just really think that Islam is one of those guys, much like Hamzat, that it's not a matter of if they become a champion, it's a matter of when. And right now, Islam technically is kind of closer uh, than Hamzat is, just being that there, he doesn't even have a fight book. If he can beat Benio Daryush February 26th, he's locked in for that contender spot, likely fighting the winner of Oliveira Gaethje. I think he matches up well with both of them. I think Islam Makachev, the protege of Habib, will be a champion by the end of the year. I'm going to change my answer. I'm confident Yuri Prohaska can beat Glover Teixeira, but I'm just I'm not confident that he will exit the year with the, yeah, with the like belt. It's just, it's just he, his yeah. style is so fun to watch, but such a worry to anybody who's a fan of him. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with it's. It might be kind of cheating, but um, I'm going to go with Valentina Shevchenko at Bantamweight. Oh, see, now that, you, ooh, you just got me going with that one. Mm-hmm. I like the creativity. I like the ideology behind it. The, the rematch with her and Juliana. Juliana seems to want that one. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know how it'll go because I think right now Pena and Nunez are going to run it back. And who knows what's going to happen there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, every time I talk about this fight, I'm flabbergasted. But I, I think that Nunez will win back her belt. At least that's how I see it. But then I don't know if she'll keep it. I kind of could see yeah. her relinquishing the belt and maybe having one more fight with Kayla at featherweight. And then that allows Valentina and Juliana to maybe do a rematch for a vacant bell or something. I don't know. I just, Valentina just feels like she's really going to, you know, as this new crop of flyweights are still slowly, but surely rising to the top. Yeah. I think it's about time for her to kind of move up and allow that new wave to kind of take over 125. Well, okay, to quickly just to coincide with that yeah, then, do you think you're... do you think she could potentially do what Amanda Nunes has done and defend both belts back and forth? 
No, because Amanda's only been able to do that because Featherweight's not a division. And really, Bantamweight's not been much of a division while she's... <laughs> yeah, that's and true. That's no, and that's not, no, that's not, not to take anything away, because she has, I think, every year defended both. I could be wrong on that, but she's defended both consistently, I would say. Yeah, yes. As I think she's defended both as much as they've been deserved yeah, to right. be defended. Right. But... Um, Women's flyweight feels like there's just going to be a lot more contenders on the here soon, and mm-hmm. bantamweight, while still being a bit weird and stagnant, could be freshened up with a new champion. You just have more matchups potentially there. I mean, even though she didn't look good in her last fight, what if Valentina wins and was to fight Misha Tate? Could you imagine that? Yeah, just be a huge fight. I don't know. That's true. Valentina fighting Holly Holm again. I don't know. There's a lot of fun fights there, but um, I don't. There's think a lot of great doing... names that I think people forget. Valentina beat, you know, yeah. at 135. Yeah, it's true. And I, I just, I don't think, I just think those two divisions are not. I don't think you can go back and forth. I mean, she, if anybody can do it, it's her. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I think that's a lot to ask. Yeah, I like that. That's interesting. Number eight, this is also one that you pulled from BT Sports, so shout out to him. Them. Them, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm going to tweak this one a little bit as well. So Dominic, uh, and I'm taking this kind of, I remember when we when we were entering 2021, Dana did an interview, I think, with BT Sport, actually. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions they asked him, it was the lady that interviewed him, like, I think at the apex or something. Mm-hmm. And she said, if you could make one fight this year, what would it be? And he said, John Jones versus Adesanya. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have that be kind of the basis for this question, Dominic. If you're in Dana White's position right now, what is the one fight that you make this year? I One half of that is still relevant Noah as much as um he kind of is in the negative side of the news and in the fight game John Jones is still unequivocally one of the best mixed martial artists of all time he's it will be two years next month since the last time we've seen him in action uh also I've obviously he's been through a lot of crap outside of the octagon that we've touched on but he's also in the meantime building his body to prepare for a heavyweight title run and title reign. Therefore, Noah, and this I, I do kind of have like an honorable mention just because this one doesn't have a set in stone opponent. But the fight to make is John Jones versus the winner of Cyril Gon and Francis Ngannou that's happening in January. I think that would be one of the biggest fights uh, that the UFC can make this year. If you're talking like big time money fights, what can we do to bring attention to it? That is one of the uh, the ones to make there. Um, and then just an honorable mention, because I don't have a set-and-stone name because we're awaiting the winner of that fight, uh, Yoana Young-Jacek, Zhang Wei-Li, number two. Just so I have two set-and-stone names. So, there you well, go. Who, which matchup interests you more between Gan and Ngannou versus... Jones? John Jones versus uh, Cyril Gan is an amazing <clears throat> two elite... All well-rounded, fantastic, full-scale mixed martial artists on the grandest stage of them all for the biggest prize in the sport, for the baddest man on the planet title. If it were up to me, that would be absolutely massive. 
Mine's going to be Peter Jan versus TJ Dillashaw for the Bantamweight Ooh, belt. I like that. I like and obviously, that. in order for the Bantamweight belt to be on the line, something has to change. But I'm just saying, if there's one fight I could put together, I'd put that one. Because I think Peter Jan might be, even though he is, Kamaru Usman is the pound-for-pound pound top fighter in the UFC. I think if you want skill for skill, I think Peter Jan might be the best fighter in the entire company. He's unreal. And um, to TJ Dillashaw is a representative of the past of the division, but also probably still the toughest fight for someone like Peter Yan because he's so well-rounded, but he's also very gutsy. He's very he, – he, he he'll make a fight a little dirty. He'll, he'll definitely take the fight wherever it goes. He'll take it to the ground. He'll clinch. He'll keep it at a range in a striking battle. So he kind of does a lot of what Jan does. I yeah. think Jan might be better at this point in their careers, but I think if Jan beats Dillashaw, I don't know if Jan's losing for years to come. Yeah. It, that, that fight, truthfully, what makes me have that same mindset as you that you finished with there being years to come was his performance against Sanhagen. Because really, stylistically, that is like one of the tougher fights that you can have for him outside of Sterling, which he has shown to already pass in a certain extent, outside of obviously the result of that, which we'll see in March number when they run it back. Um, but you know, to me, Corey Sanhagen is that guy that we've both said we still view as a future champion. And the way that he went tit for tat with him and still won that fight really showed me that like, okay, this dude really could put a a year years long type title reign together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think it's got the makings of a. How old is he? Is he thirty? Oh gosh, thirty. Check really quick. He's he's in his early thirties, I think. I think there's no question this guy could hold that belt as strong of a division as it is. Yeah, what? he's twenty eight. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there, there you go. <laughs> That's even more terrifying. As, as strong of a division as Bantamweight is, I just think that um, I don't see who beats him in four years. Yeah, it's crazy. Obviously, man. people will come up like, you know, Sean O'Malley. I don't know. That's a tough fight for Sean, man. It's just like yeah. Yeah. Adrian Yanez. I mean, it's uh, it's these guys on the come up Ricky Simone who mm-hmm. I'm not as high on as you but I just I think they're I think the Jan has just got a style where he'll never like you know look at Adesanya is an exceptional talent but there's always a style of fighter that will have an advantage over him mm-hmm. you know a really heavy wrestling game plan yeah Jan has like no holes like that. No holes. Yeah, I agree. That's the best way to describe Outside it. Outside of getting himself DQ'd, apparently. <laughs> right, right. So just a little bit more rule book reading is all we yeah. need. <laughs> yeah. Number nine. Now, Dominic, we had a title fight get introduced um, over the last week. And that was supposed to be our headliner for UFC 272, which would see the trilogy bout between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway for mm-hmm. the men's featherweight title. Within 24 hours of that announcement, the fight was canceled because yes. Max is injured. Probably the quickest announcement yeah. and then denouncement <laughs> ever. 
So there's a lot of options right now because it looks like they're going to keep Volkanovski on this card and mm-hmm. just have him fight someone else for the belt. So we've had a few options. A few people have thrown their name in a hat. Um, it, it's possible, like I said at the beginning, we're recording this on Sunday. Right. So it's possible when you guys are listening to this, it might already be official. <laughs> yes, yes. But right now it's not. So Dominic, of the list of potential replacements for Max Holloway, who is your ideal pick to be that replacement? I'll tell you what, it's been really fun being involved in the MMA community since this announcement because we got everybody throwing their hat into the pool, right? I mean, we've got guys like Giga Chikadze who's fighting this coming weekend. We've got um, Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie that is. We've got Yair Rodriguez. We've got uh, Josh Emmett. And we've got Triple C himself, just to cap off that list, Henry Cejudo. And I'll tell you what, man, I initially said... Immediately when I sent this into the group, I think that if <laughs> Giga Chikadze comes in and like not just beats Calvin Cater, but really puts on an impressive, dominating, <clears throat> smashing, I think might have even been the word I used, performance, Yeah, he could definitely be in the running to get this title shot because that would make him 8-0 and in the UFC. He really has some of the most momentum in this entire division if we're talking putting together win streaks. After him, it is Josh Emmett, who's won four in a row, but he just came off that super long layoff is kind of the only weird thing with him. So I I could see that. But then Henry Cejudo tweeted, (laughs) and damn it, if I'm not interested in seeing that one. And and I know it looks like the UFC is going toward Korean Zombie. There's nothing official, but that's what it looks like they're going, according to Ariel and whatnot, and even Volkanovsky. But Noah, I'm I'm siding with, I don't know if you're actually going to pick this, but you've always been Team Triple C on this show. So I'm going to go with you and join Team Triple C for this as well. The ideal replacement, if there's ever a time, now is the time to make the super fight. We said last week that Alexander Volkanovsky deserves a big fight like this. Henry Cejudo is ready and able. We're less than two two months out. Uh, He easily could make 145 pounds. It's the best kind of matchup for him at featherweight. Alexander Volkanovsky, Henry Cejudo, the super fight, the main event. That's the ideal replacement. I am shocked that you picked that one. Yes. And yes, I am a triple C ride or die. You know, I, I love Henry Cejudo. I think the guy is one of the most complete packages of talent that we've ever seen in combat sports. Just across, I mean, wrestling. Yes. Did an MMA. But that's not what I'm going to go with. And Ooh. the biggest reason, even though this would be the time to do it, you know, you have a clear yes. number one contender who drops out. And in the meantime, it's like, this is the biggest fight you can do probably in place of Max Holloway. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't shake it that like, I've never been someone who will advocate for someone to get a title fight without having a fight in the division. Yeah, proper cause. <laughs> and, I, and I can't shake that, even though here would be the only time where I could be on board with it. Yeah. I'm going to go with... Oh, let me work through Ooh, this. Oh, that was the said, closest you've ever been, and then you pulled it back. <laughs> I, almost said, I almost said Giga Chikadze. Yeah. But the problem is, and if, if I say... Like 
do I have to say the winner of Jigo versus Cater? Because if Cater wins that fight, I don't know if he should be mm, the No. Considering the beatdown he got from Max Holloway, I feel like the order goes Giga if he wins. Mm-hmm. Um, Korean Zombie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Cater. And then I guess Cejudo would be probably under Zombie for me. But is like, well, and also just to like at least give him a little bit of credit, that low key guy would be Josh, oh, Josh Emmett, Emmett, I suppose. Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett, I would put above. Hmm, do I put him Probably above Cater? No, I don't think I do. Really? I would keep Cater above him. Cater's fought better competition up to this point. Um, but it, either one, I mean, no offense. I, I wouldn't be upset if any of these guys get it, really. I mean, yeah. at this point, you just want to keep Volkanovski on the card. Yeah. It's a lot of fun matchups. And, oh, yeah, I guess Matt, uh, Yair Rodriguez, where it doesn't oh, yeah. fit in. True. Oh, True. man. Oh, my God. He gave Max such a good fight. Is it weird? I kind of want to see Yair. I mean, the, well, what's great about this, too, is, like, every single fight is – Amazing! Like, look at the stylistic differences in every single one of these matchups. It's like, crazy. I, like, I kind of want to see Yair, but I don't want to advocate for someone coming off a loss. Coming off a loss. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is a tough one. That's why you just got to go through hard now and say Triple C. I'm just going to say Korean Zombie. Because Which, again, is, seems like that's what they're going to do. It seems like it's going to be the most likely. Now, TKZ. Is only coming off one win against yep. Dan Ige. But this guy's the 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 performances he's been putting on for a decade plus now. The guy has the resume. Yes, he has fought for a title before. He lost to Jose Aldo. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one where he had a rib injury, kind of ended the fight. So now even though he's only won the one fight, I mean the guy's still fighting at a high level. He seems to be even evolving perhaps with yeah. the times uh, becoming a little more risk averse you know the Ige fight was very impressive for that I think um, that's who I go with I don't know if it's t- I don't think it's the toughest fight for Volkanovski of the bunch but it's the only one that I can sit here and like be on board with without any sort of caveat yeah Giga would be ideal if he wins but I feel like it's a little cheap to go, well, if Giga wins. But if Cater wins, then, I mean, because that just, to me, it's like, if Giga beats Cater, then I think Giga, like, right now I, I look at Giga as perhaps one of the best talents in the division who just is, has yet to make his way to the top of the ranks. Yeah. But if he loses to Cater, does that compromise my viewpoint of him? Or does that mean Cater is really just one of the best talents in the division and he just had a rough night with Max? You know what right. I mean? So yeah. I can't – it's hard for me to – because if Cater wins, I don't see myself going, well, I think Calvin Cater should be next. I mean, I just – I don't see it. So I can't I'm give it – I'm in the same boat. So I'm going to go with Korean Zombie, and I, I hope that that made sense. But it, if they do Henry Cejudo, man, come on. I mean, I'm going to gonna be excited for that. It, 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 just those two specifically – each fight is so, especially based off of Korean Zombie's last performance. I know we had it in the disappointing fight of the year category. Don't get us twisted. It was a fantastic performance from Zombie, being that he showed a skill set that he's never been prone to showing. But that type of skill set and game plan is what he would need 
to beat a guy like Volkanovski for that reason, I think it would be an incredible fight, just as much as Volkanovski <clears throat> versus Cejudo. Yeah, agreed. Last one here, number 10. Woo. Talking about some of the unranked prospects. A lot of times when we talk about prospects, Don, we talk about that 11 to 15 range, you know, where right. he's kind of the guys that have already kind of been on fans' radar, but yep. still haven't made that jump. But now we're going to try to get into the deep cuts a little deeper. And be, oh, I'm and going real get, deep. Which unranked prospect should people have on their radar for 2022? Who goes first? Up to you. I'm doing it. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I went back and forth between three gentlemen, and I couldn't stare away. Steer away. Sorry, I had some country twain come out there. <laughs> steer away from this gentleman being the force. I am twisting my words on this last <laughs> question of the, of the show. The first UFC-born fighter from Uganda, but currently fighting out of Kansas City, Missouri, with Glory MMA, James Krause and the gang. He's 0-1 in the UFC, but damn it, what a fight it was. On short notice, up a weight class at 155 against Mason Jones, a fight of the night contender. Noah, I'm going with Mr. David the Silent assassin <clears throat> onama i have never in one fight jumped on a bandwagon quicker than i did with david onama he showed me so much in that fight with mason jones who speaking of unranked prospects is one of the biggest in the ufc especially for that lightweight division and the fact that he did this on four or five days notice he, um he was sitting on his couch when he got the call from the ufc went three rounds back and forth tit for tat with mason jones even winning a round if i'm not mistaken man what a fight that was and i want to see him now with some time off a proper training camp fight at his actual weight class uh, uh being featherweight 145 pounds which we were just discussing uh in the previous question David Onama, I think, is someone that a lot of people are going to forget just because it was kind of only one fight so far. He lost. It was really spur-of-the-moment thing. Not a lot of time to build him up and showcase him to the fans. David Onama is my prospect, unranked prospect, to watch out for in 2022. Yeah, it's got to be a deep cut because he's only yeah. one in the UFC. I but know. if anybody remembers that fight, that fight was fantastic. And yes. he took that fight on like one – wasn't it like a day – Two it was literally, mi yeah, minimal time. It was very <laughs> minimal time. So, I mean, Mason Jones is another good one to potentially have on yeah. your list. Jack Shore is a guy that yes. we taught me and you tossed back and forth. My name, though, I'm going with the upside, the potential. And this guy, I feel very confident, will hold a belt one day. And that's Shavkat Rachmanov at the mm. lightweight division. 2-0 in the UFC. This guy was a defending M1 Global Champion when he came to the UFC. And he's gone under the radar because, again, he's only 2-0. Hasn't exactly fought like... Uh, well, his debut is against Cowboy Oliveira, who yeah. is always a tough out and to make your debut against him. But then, you know, he's just been on some under-the-radar cards and whatnot. But make no mistake, this guy is deadly. He's... Yeah. He is a vicious on the feet. He is precise on the ground. Anywhere the fight goes, he is not just comfortable, but excels. And because of that, I think 2022 could be a big year in his, in his growth if he wants to try to 
fight two or three times this year. And I don't know if I see that, but if, if that if he were to do that, I mean, there's no doubt this guy's ranked at the end of the year. I think he's a champion within the next two to three years. The guy's Ooh. such a complete product already. It's just a matter of getting him the matchups to get him to the top. That's what it yeah. all comes down to. So he's got under the radar, lightweight, you know, it's talent stacked, prospect stacked. But he is actually, you know, I made this comparison, but I did it with Islam compared to those guys ranked 11 to 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys are like Thanos. Yeah, yeah right. Rachmanov is Thanos to the rest Just of the him. Nation. Yes. yes. Yeah. I like He's that. The, he is inevitable at this point. And um, I can't wait to see kind of what's next for him and uh, who he – he was supposed to uh, – he's actually scheduled to fight in uh, February 5th. He's going up against another good prospect. And let me look that up. A guy who had a good performance, Carlston Harris. That's the one who mm. had, um, he had just come off a win over Impa Kazaganai. So yeah, yeah, that's a good fight, Carlston Harris. It's a tough. That's a tough fight, but I think Rockmanov will win that. I think we're he's staring at top fifteen after that. Yeah, the the confidence in which you carried yourself in that answer <clears throat> led me to believe you're really super passionate here, and that's I, what I love, I am, Noah. I, yeah, I, I love appreciate it. it. Well, that's going to wrap it up, everyone, for this first edition of the Reddit Roundtable for 2022. Yep, I think we deserve a slow clap. Everybody at home, make sure you're clapping alongside Dom. <laughs> yeah. But uh, should we announce some of the things we have going on, or should we uh, should we hold off? You know what? The ideas are rolling. We had our goal meeting before recording. It's gonna one of them's going to debut this week. I think we'd let them know right now, Noah. Yeah, so obviously we're back on Friday. Yes, we're, a, we're getting... Mm, back with mm. the preview. Giga Chikadze versus Calvin Cater, um, along with a lot of good fights. Yeah, low-key, really fun card. Brave yeah. Roy Val versus Rogerio Bontaran. That's a great fight. Yeah. But we're actually going to be back on Thursday. What? 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 The Joes what? on a Thursday? Thirsty that's Thursday? That's because we're introducing a new series to the show. It's not going to even be. It's we're trying to make it a little bit separate from the podcast. Like you know, these are yes. our podcast episodes. We just want this to be like its own thing, standalone content. Yeah, yeah. it won't feel much different because it's going to be us talking like we are now, just probably a different layout, background, <laughs> a, little, a little bit. <laughs> but um. This is because since I've moved to the state of Indiana, uh, one of us is now located in a state where mm. sports betting is legal. And fully uh, gone. Yeah. yeah. And Ohio is on its way. By the yeah. end of this year, Ohio will follow suit by, by then, I should say. But because of that, our whole plan was when we were both in Ohio, our whole plan was when Ohio put it into effect, we were going to introduce a lot of betting content into mm-hmm. this whether it be into the show or in some capacity well now that i've moved to indiana that's sped up the process <laughs> yeah so now we're doing it to start the year and while you'll notice it on our previews and re or previews for we'll probably put betting odds um <clears throat> on the you know the the scroll like showing on the fight card and stuff um on the banners and whatnot but 
we're actually introducing our own mini, like a mini show toward the betting side of the sport. Right. So it's going to be called the nosebleeds. That's right. Yep. And it's just going to be me and Dom going over some of our picks for the week and just talking about the different odds, different plays that we like, perhaps parlays, even Mm -hmm. just stuff involving that week's MMA action that we would ourselves interested in betting on. And uh, right. You guys can hopefully enjoy that, listen to that. Again, not going to be betting advice, not going to be no. bet responsibly. <laughs> yes. We are not experts by any means, but no. we are just guys that are very interested in getting more involved with sports betting and just that side of combat sports. And Some would say degenerate gamblers. Yeah, and this is the way we're going to do it. So I'm sure yeah. we're going to lose a lot of money, but we're going to have fun doing it. We're Exactly, and that's all that matters. Yeah, so make sure to tune into that. That'll be airing, debuting Thursday at 5 p.m. Yes. So make sure to check that out. But until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find us on social media. Well, you can find me personally on Twitter, on Instagram, at Beastly14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact with the podcast, with us on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And for me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at B-A-J... What am I doing right now? <laughs> I started reading our... our you were, I saw your eyes look up at the... <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at N-T-Baker underscore. If you go to my bio, there is a link that will yes. take you to the link tree, uh-huh. which will present you a list of links to all the platforms the podcast is on along with social media platforms. So that includes it's not limited to kind of is. the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel and Spotify, Google and Apple podcast. It's all on there. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor anchor shout out first one, leaving a voice message. Let's start in the new year the right way. Guys, leave us. Some Who's going to be messages. the first one. There can That's only the be question. one. There can, there only, can be only be one. one. Yes. Yeah. But there can be more to you guys can yes. all you preferably guys can six, seven, eight, you know, it's whatever. But only one of you can be first. And we will give a huge we might even give you a complimentary Joey on the house. First voice message of twenty twenty one. I like that. I like that. Yes. Also there's a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. Any and all support would be appreciated. But that's it. We're out. And we're gonna see y'all on Thursday. Be ready to make or lose some money.